0: The Author Hangout, episode number 49.
1: Welcome to The Author Hangout, where we interview best-selling authors and experts in the book publishing industry to reveal the tips and advice you need to succeed as an author in today's publishing landscape. Enjoy the show.
0: Hey there, Sean Manaher here welcoming you to another episode of The Author Hangout where authors like you learn how to sell more books through the lessons, experiences, and wisdom from their fellow authors. Today on The Author Hangout, we're talking about actually looking back at this one important question that we ask every guest on The Author Hangout. What would you do differently if you were starting all over again? What three things would you do differently if you're starting over again, in order to sell more books. And so today we're going to be listening into fellow authors such as Michael Bunker, Farnoosh Brock, Jason Gurley, and a number of others today that are going to help us to understand what they would do different if they were to sell more books. And why this is important for you to listen in today is because you are going to get an advantage that even these individuals who are speaking to you today have. So some people like like Will Swartstrom talking about the things that he would do different. You're going to gain an advantage because you're taking his wisdom and experience and leveraging it in your author career. So let's jump right in. We're going to be talking and listening in to a number of authors. Hold on tight. Here we go. Uh,
2: the first thing I would do is, uh, and, and I don't know exactly what order to put these three in, but I'm going to give you the three things. Uh, quality and value have to be higher than anything else on the market, and which means you can't do what everybody else is doing. You have to do better. And and that means you're going to have to spend a little money, most likely, unless you're just so extraordinarily talented like Jason Gurley that you can write the books, put your own cover on there, format them, all those things. I'm not that guy, so I have to hire that stuff. But, um, and so don't, uh, we're past the pay, uh, the, the era, the 2011 era where you can just wing it and make it good enough and still, uh, be successful. You have got quality and value has to be there. The next thing I would make sure I do is make sure that you're communicating. And, uh, by that, I mean, communicating with readers, communicating with people who are outside of the box who might be, uh, uh, able to help you, uh, 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 with your with your success. Like I said, finding people uh, with some, there might be some out, outlier interest in your book. You know, maybe you have a product in your book. You know, people really don't really think that way. But, you know, just find somebody uh, uh, or, or some people that, that you can communicate with. Also, make sure that you communicate with readers. Any readers that contact you are, are gold. And I would rather have 100 uh, solid fans of my book than uh, $20,000 because if you have those and you communicate with them and you give them things for free and you give them your materials, they will do much more work for you than uh, the money that you can throw at the problem. And the third thing I would make sure that I do is I would make sure that uh, I'm building a brand. So you cannot just be author X. Uh, You have to think about branding, think about what your thing is, uh, what it is that you can uh, do that makes you stand out. For me, it was natural because I already am that, and I'm a plain person. I dress Amish. We live off grid. Uh, I'm only able to communicate to you right now through my office, which has solar power, and this signal is being beamed to you through a radio tower in town. So, uh, uh, but that it's something that's unique, and I've been able to use that, utilize that in brand. So, those are the three things I'd focus on: it's quality communication and branding
0: as you started out in that journey was there one thing early on that you said hey this is a good idea that completely was like oh that's a really bad idea
2: oh yeah uh yeah i spent a lot of money up front especially on last pilgrims uh on social media advertising uh both on facebook and on twitter uh, you know several hundreds of dollars every month and uh that was a really really bad uh I, I, had I spent that money improving my product, I would have been way ahead of the game, way ahead of the game. So uh, that to me, the product needs to be the focus now.
0: We just listened to Michael Bunker talk about some very valuable things that he would do differently or he would make sure that he told himself if he was starting all over again. Two things I want to say The wing it era is done and over with. We're past that. I think that's really important to consider that you no longer can just throw things up in a hope and know that it's going to work out. And the other thing is, is that that 100 solid fans, more important, more important than $20,000. I know myself I listen to that and I think, man, I could really use $20,000, but that's short-sighted. 100 solid fans, go after that. Make sure that you can find that 100 solid fans. And as you listen in more, you're going to hear how to do that. So great stuff from Michael Bunker.
3: Okay, that's a great question. Three things. I mean, I have about a dozen, but we'll focus on three. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, and I say this to my mastermind friend, I would say before you write your book, think about how you're going to market it. And as you put the pen down to write the first chapter or the outline or however you're going to start, put the pen down and write your marketing plan. It is not too early to think about that. You don't have to do anything just yet, but think about it. Don't make marketing an afterthought. And don't feel bad about marketing. We talked about this a little bit. But again, I felt that it would be sleazy to market my book. You have to get over that. Just, just get over it. Right. So thinking about the marketing plan. And then, um, the second one is, um, tell people about it right? Don't make it a big secret. You don't have to give away the title of the book if that's something you want to announce later, but tell people, you know what? I'm writing a book on, um, what is it? One of my friends is writing a book on project management for life, which I think is great because project management in a workplace can be kind of boring. I did that for a living, but applying project management to your life, I mean, now that's exciting. How do I manage and organize my project with some really known methodologies? So, Again, tell people about it. Bring it up in conversations and create a buzz as you're writing. The writing process takes, what, nine months, a year? Um, Or if you're crunched like me, I had to do it in two months. But talk about it, right? That's the second thing. It seems like a small thing, but you meet a lot of people and if you keep bringing it up in conversations, in your casual Facebook, so everybody knows that you are working on a book. I think that creates the buzz long-term for you. All right, and the third one is Don't be so afraid to ask people in your niche, your industry, whatever it may be, people that are well known, your role models, people that may have a bigger size audience, what have you. Don't be intimidated by going to them and saying, look, my book is coming out. Would you like an early copy? And if you like it, maybe you can mention it on your show. And so again, this might have been just me, but I felt, oh my God, I can't go straight up to so-and-so and and tell them, right? They're so busy. And so get over that again as well because uh, you never know, books are books. And um, there is this, this is status that some of us make up in our heads. It doesn't exist. All of us are here to to serve a purpose, to create good work. And it doesn't matter whether you're just starting out and you have three followers on Facebook. It doesn't matter. If you believe in your work, talk about it. Tell people about it.
0: We just heard from Farnoosh and Brock and she really outlined a number of things that I think are important. And without rehashing it all, she said, you know, put down your pen and write your marketing plan. Start with the marketing plan first. And as an author, as you're sitting there right now, you're listening into this podcast and you're typing away at the same time, trying to figure out what you're going to write, I challenge you right now to take a pause. Take just one hour right now and jot down marketing plan. Jot down that plan that you think will be the best plan in order for you to get your book out into the marketplace and work on that just one hour a week. I believe that that plan is going to help you ultimately sell more books, but you need to put the pen down first in order to build that marketing plan. So when you're ready to release your book. You've already built up this plan. You've already built up a following. You've already gotten people on your list. And you like she asks and talks about. And says you should do. Create a buzz. Don't be afraid to talk about your book. Don't allow that to be that secret. That nobody knows. Nobody knows that you have a book. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. Tell everybody that you have a book coming out. Let them know. Let them get excited and rally around you. you, the author who has written this amazing book about whatever. so great stuff from Farnoosh Brock
4: well,
5: there are so many things that I would do differently. That's the beautiful thing about this question. In fact, there are so many things you look back on even after a year or two of doing this and uh and you just want you just wanna cry because you made the wrong choices or you or you've just been thinking about things wrong for six months at a time. Uh, Okay, my three things. The first and foremost, this is for me, and I think it will probably help other people, is truly set realistic expectations for yourself. There is almost no chance you're going to be a star or the next Michael Shabon at 25. You're probably not going to do it. Um, And that's okay. In fact, that's probably a very good thing. Um, in my case, I was writing just the most derivative and boring fiction at 25, but I needed to write that fiction in order to get to a point where my fiction mattered and had meaning and, and was unique in the world. Um, what else? Slow down. Um, this has been a big theme for me, uh, in the last, uh, about the last year. Um, a book is not, A pop quiz. It's not a race. I would advise authors to take absolutely all the time that the book or yourself need to create and craft that book the right way. Um, Spending the last, you know, half a year editing a novel that I had been writing for 13 years has been incredibly instructive to me. It's taught me so much more about my craft than the the last 20 years has taught me um, about it just by writing. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm, I'm always open to that. But what I'm discovering is that um, even if I am getting uh, emails from readers and even if they are sort of um, nimbling at my toes for whatever is next, you know, that's no reason to rush. And the right book is going to be the thing that I publish when it's ready. And I think sort of tacking onto that, um, I would advise thinking about the long-term not the short term. Um, In a year, in 10 years, in 20 years, it's going to matter not at all to most people what the current trend or the bestseller charts at the time you're writing now are. What's going to be more important is your legacy as an author. And I think um, that's something that's been very heavily on my mind as I consider next projects and whether or not my next book will be something I self-publish or take to a publisher, there's a lot of things to consider there. And um, I'm interested in writing books that are going to be around in many, many decades and not something that will be exciting and then um, be something that readers move on from in a year and forget about forever.
0: And now we're hearing from Jason Gurley who really provides some great value about three different things that setting realistic expectations, slowing down and thinking about the long term. And this really plays into mindset. This mindset of realistic expectations, this idea that you really need to create this mindset that, yes, you want to dream big. And I am one who just dreams big about anything and everything that I want to do. But at the same time, if you set dreams that are unrealistic, it can be a point of discouragement and therefore it reduces the motivation and the momentum that you can build by setting realistic expectations. So that first book, if you're an unknown author, nobody's heard of you, if you set expectations that this is going to be a million-dollar bestseller, well, more than likely, that's not going to happen. You must be prepared for that. And at the same time, dial that back. Really think, am I doing the marketing in order to create that buzz? Is this going to be something that you're preparing yourself for? So set that realistic expectation. Love it when he says it's it's not a pop quiz or a race. Slow down. That's really powerful and important for you as an author. And this last piece of advice, this last thought of a best-selling charts don't matter to your legacy. Let me repeat that. Best-selling charts don't matter to your legacy. You're building a lifetime contribution to the world and you don't have to look at this as a short-term opportunity. Great stuff from Jason Gurley.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first is forge relationships. So I covered this a a bit a minute ago. Reach out to people, ask people for advice, ask them for their wisdom. Don't do it in a promotional way. Put them in that position to become a mentor for you, even if it's a mentor Mm. for 10 minutes. If you look at any kind of successful business, no matter if it's a book, other creative arts or something outside of that, it is all based on relationships. That is not to say that a well-written book cannot skyrocket and become a landmark in all of culture without relationships. It can. More likely you're going to find success in really forging those relationships. And you can identify what those are, whether it's with your local bookseller, other authors, agents, publishers, readers, anything like that. But don't discount the role of actually forging those relationships early. The second thing I was talking to someone about yesterday um, with a podcast I was recording. Her name is Sarah Bray. And there's a, I guess I'll call it a theory out there called a 1,000 True Fans. And the really short version of it is that to survive as an artist or creative professional, you don't need millions and millions of people buying your stuff. You just need about a 1,000 people who would show up and buy pretty much anything that you want to sell. Because if you have that, I think the example gave was with maybe a musician. If 1,000 people buy your CD at 20 bucks a pop, if they all show up to your show, you can actually survive, make a living doing that. So with my friend Sarah, um, who's writing a book of her own, it was when you look at her her life and she supports herself and her family as as a professional, she doesn't have a huge audience. A couple thousand people in a newsletter list, um, a few thousand people follow her on Twitter. And the, the trick of it is, is that she really tends to those relationships. So she's not always saying, gee, my email list is only this many people, I need to grow that, (laughs) or I haven't grown and I'm a failure. It is always about nurturing those relationships, about listening to people, about talking to them. And then when she does launch something, whether it's a book or something else, it's so tuned into who those people are. Um, I think that not enough is made of the qualitative difference over um, the quantitative difference of those things, that you don't need a million people on your email list and a million followers. (laughs) (laughs) You just need um, a handful of the right people. And then you need to really treat those people like they are just the most awesome people ever. So the third thing I think I'd go back to what I'd said earlier, which is this idea of voice. I think a lot of people don't challenge themselves enough to have a voice in the world. They have the voice when they're with their friends, over coffee. Maybe they set up a LinkedIn account, which they never check. They start tweeting and right away start retweeting the most obvious stuff in the world. They connect with friends on Facebook. They show up to a book Launch party, and they kind of read the prologue to their book. But there's this opportunity when we think about who inspires us people of any ilk that inspire you they're people who inherently have a voice. And having a voice is indeed about taking a risk. I'm not saying you have to say something controversial um, because that's not the type of voice that I would ever want to have because that would terrify me and I'm not like that. (laughs) But really taking the voice of saying something, saying something unique, saying something special, of bringing people together, of reaching out to people. I think it's an opportunity, and again I mentioned this before, I was mentioning research. It's an opportunity that a lot of people don't take. They try to fall back on best practices which I try to avoid where I can because I think that all that means is that you're going to do what everyone else is doing, but a couple years too late. Best practices are useful in learning a new system and getting a sense of the land of where the boundaries are. So I'm not all anti-best practices, but I think you having a voice, whenever I find people online, whether they're authors or other creative professionals who just you're enamored with, you're impressed by, inherently, they have found a way Mm -hmm. to exercise their own voice in a way that is incredibly inspiring, but when you really reverse engineer it, you start thinking, wow, this must be incredibly risky for them to do that. Or in the beginning, it certainly must have felt that way. And one example of that is I've tend to found in the last um, few months or maybe a year or more, Instagram is this really thriving social network. It's the one that still feels like what social media was originally felt like in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter, yeah. we're all retweeting things. There's almost a strategy to it. But in Instagram, you have to share original photos of your life, what you see or who you know or what you love or who you are. There's something very personal about it. And I find that many people that I connect with, they're getting more and more active on Instagram and they feel wonderful about it because they're sharing something real and the people that they're connected with are sharing something real. And it, it's there is that place of risk, that smallness to it, but I also feel like, again, that's where the meaning is and really connecting with another human being.
0: Dan Blank, I really appreciated what he had to say about Forging Relationships, that 1,000 true fans and your voice. We talked a little bit about the 100 fans and that being more important than $20,000. Dan really focuses in on this 1,000 true fans, and it is that big difference of the qualitative versus quantitative list building. I, for one, uh, am a numbers guy. I really appreciate seeing how our list at the Author Hangout, Book Marketing Tools, what we're doing here, is growing and building. And it challenges me. What he said challenges me to make sure that we are doing qualitative things in order to engage with our listeners and readers and people who are connected on Twitter and Facebook, Google+, and all these other things. And so we're working to do that ourselves. I challenge you to do that yourself so that you are getting those 1,000 true fans. And the other thing that he said, challenge yourself to have a voice. What is your voice? Like, who are you in the marketplace? Is it distinctive enough? Do you say everything that everybody else says when he said avoid best practices i think that's fantastic because best practices are those things that worked in the past but try things new create this voice that people will see and know is different and therefore you're going to stand out so that you can ultimately get 1000 true fans
6: i really wish i would have started building a mailing list earlier Mm. um I, i had a few titles out there but i you know, and they and they were selling. I, I'm one of the lucky ones who put up a title and it just immediately, you know, I, I didn't have to, you know, pull teeth to get stuff to sell. I got really lucky there. But I didn't capture email addresses of fans that could have been potential lifelong fans. And I really wish I'd started that from day one. Uh, that... That's my number one piece of advice now anytime email, someone emails me and asks. Start an email list, grab your people. Um, for me personally, my own personal career, I wish I would have stuck closer to one genre. I'm, I, I tend to write mystery and thrillers, but I have a whole spectrum of mystery and thrillers. I, I have stuff like Sarah's Game. I have stuff like Sky Noise. It's time travel. I wrote Super last year. It's a superhero mystery novel. And then The Two Crosses is a Christian fiction thriller. You know, I I just just kind of mystery thrillers, but I'm all over the board. So I really wish I had defined my direction a little better, like perhaps Lee Child and the Reacher series, you know. So sticking to one genre, that's for me personally. Uh, And then... You know now. Now that I am this far into it, I you know I have twelve novels out under my name, uh, a couple of novels out under pen names. Hi, I'm hiding those because they're not very well, not very well written. <laughs> I have a bunch of short stories and novellas. I have close to thirty titles out there. But, but so I, I just realized, you know, a couple of weeks ago that I have this backlist out there, this huge backlist that's not doing much because I haven't spent much time promoting it. I've just been surging forward with always the next book when I have these other little, these other units out there that could be earning while I've been ignoring them, you know, so build a mailing list earlier, narrow your, narrow your focus a little more and don't ignore what could be earning in addition to what you're trying to do in the present.
0: I really appreciated Ernie Lindsay's approach in what he had to share about the three things that he would do differently. Very honest and transparent about building that email list earlier. We talk a lot about that here at the Author Hangout. Define direction better. I really resonated with this because I'm an ideas guy. I tend to start a number of different projects. RJ Adams, he knows that I do this and I come with him with lots of different ideas. Ernie's focus is... Stick with one genre. That's my encouragement to you. Focus. Focus in on one genre before you're trying to do multiple ones. Now, let's look at this. It's working for Ernie. But it may not work for you. And for most people, trying to do multiple genres is a mess and can be very difficult to gain that traction that you want. So stick with one. I I think that's a great idea. And with that said, if you're constantly writing, 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 and never promoting your existing books, you're just putting things out there without giving it proper marketing promotion. And so make sure you do that. I think that's great stuff from Ernie Lindsay.
7: The first one, and I did this from the very beginning. Was never put out a uh, a cheap product. Uh, always pay attention to all of the details: editing, cover design, uh, formatting. Don't put out something that looks like you know you threw it together with some leftover baling wire in the garage. <laughs> um, the The goal is. Uh, have your books completely indistinguishable from the New York, you know, publishing houses. Uh, that's the first item. The second item is, uh, I would say, start building your audience uh, before you publish. Uh, I sp- I was actually able to build my audience. One of the reasons my books hit so hard was is because I spent six months building an audience before I published my first book. So I started practicing on Facebook, I started practicing with Twitter, and my goal when I first started was getting people to come around and engage with me. That was it. I was just like, I want to talk about science fiction, and fantasy. I'm writing some books. Hey, let's talk. And so my goal was with advertising and 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 everything I did for those first 6 months before I had something to release was just in increasing my readership of what little I was putting out, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
7: So that way when it hit, it hit good. Um, and I guess the last bit of advice would be um, really take some time to study mailing lists. Uh, that's one thing I didn't do uh, early on. And um, it's it's one of those things you can fix. But, you know, if you start from the very beginning, uh, it's a little bit easier. But uh, your mailing list is gold. I mean, that's yeah you you need to have a couple of them you need to have one for for people who are going to buy everything you want you want one for some of your people who are always engaging with you kind of like your short list of you know like your go-to fans and you know i you can start mailing lists for all kinds of purposes but uh you know there's a couple of the nice services out there and i really should have been doing mailing lists and concentrating on on collecting addresses because uh when i first started facebook was really really wonderful and then they changed, and I suddenly lost contact with a whole bunch of people, because Facebook altered the rules because they wanted me to they, they want money, they want you to pay to play. Uh, and so I've had difficult time getting back in touch with all these people that I was just loosely in contact with. Uh, so you know, my, my lists are building, and things are working out really good, but you know that, took, that was a big hit, and I, I really should have been collecting those email addresses from the beginning.
0: And we have Leland Artra, who shared a number of great things, and his three are, right, you listened to just now, never put out a cheap product, start building your audience before you publish, and continue to build your audience after. I want to focus on that first one, never put out a cheap product. If you're going to edit and you don't have the skills to edit really, really well, then get somebody else to do it. Find a resource to help you to edit. If your cover design does suck, people are not gonna buy your book. So make sure that you get a good cover designer to help you with that. And you know, ultimately, it's about qualitative kind of things. Didn't we just hear that from somebody a little bit earlier? Qualitative versus quantitative. You can push out lots of things. Just make sure that you're focusing on the value and the quality of the product that you are producing Again, great stuff from Leland.
4: Okay, so first I would write a couple of books before I even published one, right? So when I first published my first one, I just, as soon as I published Perfect Game, or as soon as I finished it, I published it. As soon as I finished my novel, published it. As 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 soon as I finished my wolf fan fiction story, The Veil, I published it. There wasn't any, like, waiting period. There wasn't any, like... Marketing or promotion or anything like that. So, if I had to do it over again, I'd get a couple under my belt and then I would, you know, see if I could get any beta readers or if I could get any um, people that were interested in reading it. Um, You know, back then I didn't have like the author community, like you talked about the author community. Um, I have so many friends that would volunteer to read my stories now, but back then I didn't. So, I'd try to work on fostering some of those relationships as well so I could you know get those people to um, to read uh, my stories and get some early reviews um, some early shares uh, once those books were published so I guess the the first two things is have a couple under my belt before I even started and then um, uh, you know try to foster some of those relationships. A little bit more. I guess the third thing, a little bit more out of the box, is uh, as soon as I got some of those reviews, go get a bank loan so I could get a BookBub ad and then <laughs> and then uh, uh, do that with my first novel as soon as I could. I've not run a BookBub ad yet, um, and, and part of that is I, I I've tr- applied once and I was rejected, and you know fear of rejection, of course. Um, but also I figured you know my novels are. Uh, you know part of a, a trilogy, I figure well, let's finish the trilogy before I apply for the book bub, so that people aren't complaining that the third book's not out there yet, so <laughs> but yeah, I, those three things um you know marketing you know in terms of, of paid things like bookbub, find the best things for that, might not be bookbub, yeah. might be something else, um but find the best. Um, best tool for you and for your genre, you know, the fostering of relationships and, uh, you know, maybe get a couple of books under your belt before you actually go to publish. And Will Swartzman
0: really does a fine job wrapping things up for this episode of the author hangout talking about what are the three things that he would do if he was starting all over again in order to sell more books, sell more books, right? This is what it's all about. Write a couple of books before you publish just one. Fantastic idea. I've done this under a pen name, and it's worked really well. Fostering Relationships More. I think that this is something that authors over the last year have really begun to, to do this and are more open to doing this with other authors. And that final thing is just hilarious but true. Uh, get a bank loan to get a BookBub ad. Paid Promotions from websites like BookBub, like Choosy Bookworm, like Reading Deals are great ways in which you can get the word out about your book. So I don't advocate getting a loan, but if you are looking to find ways in order to get the word out about your book, consider purchasing these ads in order to get the buzz out so that you can sell more books. Well, this has been a great episode of The Author Hangout brought to you by Book Marketing Tools. And I really look forward to next week's episode as we look at seven more authors and what they have to say if they were starting all over again today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We'll see you on the next episode of The Author Hangout.
1: Thanks for listening to The Author Hangout. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher to get the new episodes delivered directly to your device. Watch the video from this episode and get the transcript at theauthorhangout.com. The Author Hangout is brought to you by bookmarketingtools.com.
0: As an author, you might be stuck not knowing exactly what to do to market your books and yourself effectively. No problem. BookMarketingTools Tools has you covered through our free guide, the ultimate author checklist for online book marketing. From start to finish, you will get a broad and detailed understanding on how you can effectively go from selling notebooks to reaching hundreds of readers. You can get this free resource at bookmarketingtools.com sellbooks sell books. And when you sign up, you enroll in our exclusive weekly author email where we share with you the latest tools and tips for authors covering things like how to find readers, selling more books, how to get book reviews, and everything an author needs to be effective in reaching readers. You can get the guide and sign up at bookmarketingtools.com sellbooks sell books.